And that's the Tune of Time from The Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Ages. For those of you who uh, who, who don't know, great game. Pick it up. Little, little known title, uh, Legend of Zelda series. Uh, Oracle of Ages Seasons, Paired Games, Game Boy Color, 2001. Great, great, great fucking titles. Great titles. You know what else are great titles? <laughs> hey, good segue. Yo. <laughs> oh, what a segu. Um, okay, so this, uh, yes. Good, good job. Thanks. T- titles. Titles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think this is episode eight. This is episode eight, right? This is episode eight. When last seen. (laughs) When last seen, episode eight was on the horizon. Um, We have, in typical Elon's brother and Ari's sister, no, Ari's brother and Elon's sister fashion, um, we've recorded a couple failures over the past hour. So... For those of you listening, thank you. <laughs> we need that. <laughs> we plucked up our courage to. It's not how many times you fail, it's how many times you get back up on the horse after you fail. And you know what? We have gone into the mud and sunk to the bottomless bogs, and now we're climbing back up on the horse. It's an inspiration story. Everyone should applaud Just- us. <laughs> just like once he did. We're climbing why, back up onto the horse. Just like you, once he why did. Why would you? Why? Don't go there. <laughs> why would you do because, that? Because I might be the only person who has ever quoted that on a podcast. <laughs> and I will probably be the only person to ever quote that on a podcast. It's like Mom Seller 69, 69, 69 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, they just got a notification and they're like, what? Someone read it? Whoa. <laughs> quoted it on a podcast? I'm quoted on a podcast? What's wrong with them? <laughs> what kind of weird fetish podcast? Oh, it's a story podcast? What's wrong with them? These weirdos. <laughs> they become our biggest fan. <laughs> I don't know. We weren't that nice to that story. No, we we uh we were so fucking brutal. It's to be fair, to be fair, we will judge your shitty fan fiction as we try to read it. That's that is like a given. Because we have to. <laughs> In order to get through it, sometimes we gotta. All right. Well, uh welcome back. We did not do it okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? Is that the Is it the <laughs> Deferent Whales, yes. That's the Deferent Whales out of con- <laughs> No context Deferent Whales song. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, no context Deferent Whales song is absolutely the name of episode eight. Oh. I have to find the script. Okay. All right. This podcast is rated NSFW. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a podcast called Title. You went in early. <laughs> um, 
I, 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 I point, I point, I point at you. Remember, you'll see the point. You'll see a point. <laughs> it will point. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <clears throat> uh, we were so good that first time. Um, we, we were okay. It was now the different whales. <laughs> I, yeah, but now you're forcing it. I mean, you made the no context effort whale, which is a great episode. No, no, no. I'm saying the the first time we recorded it out of no. The I, I I know whales. what you're saying. I'm not but saying now I'm we doing have... it again. I'm just saying but we now, got but it now once. We have the... Yeah, but now but now we have the intro, the actual intro, so we can do it right. <laughs> got it one time. <laughs> yeah, but but it was a wrong rhythm. Like we didn't have the actual intro cueing us. I would have had so much more work to break it up. Okay. This podcast is rated NSFW. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a podcast called Titles with Elon's sister and Ari's brother. Give us titles and we'll give you stories. And welcome back. Thanks everyone for tuning in. This is episode eight of a podcast called Title, a podcast where we improv stories out of titles i thought you were going to say a podcast where two siblings with dyscalculia attempt to remember what episode they're on <laughs> where two siblings with dyscalculia can't say the word remember <laughs> <laughs> i said remember correctly what are you, you talking about <laughs> what you said is remember <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's uh we're here. We made it, guys. We're <laughs> we made it past the intro, which is more than I could say for the past couple hours, except for the the time that we did it in one try that Ari's still mad about. Okay, well, um, a podcast called Title is a is a, we um, there's a well of titles that we take from. Sometimes they're listener submitted. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're sprinkled, and uh, we. Um, we each choose two titles, and then we roll a four-sided dice, looks like a pyramid, called a D4, and that helps us select what we're going to do, and then we improv off of that. So with that, let's pick some titles. Well, <laughs> yeah. Okay, back to titles. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Number one. Oh, no, you go first this time, because I went first last time with the story picking. Number one, mission specific. Mission specific. Okay. I, I spelled that one really correctly, so you're going to be proud of me on that. Um, number two. Freedom, Justice, and Revolution, the collected works of Edwina Stimbles Branson. Oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> number three. Potato Post. <laughs> okay. And number four. A dog helping a dame. I think that one's a period story. 
Yeah, definitely. That was in our noir category. <laughs> that was in our noir category, yes. Okay, so, uh, number one, mission-specific, or as I wrote, mission-specific. Number two, uh, freedom, justice, and revolution, the collected works of Edwina Stimples Branson, or as I wrote, Freedom Stimples Branson. Number three, Potato Post, or as I wrote, Potato Post. And number four, A Dog Helping a Dame, or as I wrote, A Dog Helping a Dame. So, roll the dice. We're now going to roll a D4, which is a pyramid-shaped die, for those of you not familiar with D&D or tabletop RPGs. And And it is also missing. (laughs) We are very good at organization here at a podcast called Title. Um, Hold hold the phone, hold the phone. I can do this. I can do this. Um, Ah, shit, is that what fell on the ground earlier? Fuck me. Okay, um, one second, everybody. I think is this is where I'm supposed to vamp, so I'm going to say a bunch of random things and we're going to see if any of it's usable by the end of it. So, um, earlier I was, uh, you know, uh, realizing just how shit I am at domestic responsibility because uh, I do this thing where I will forget about the laundry you've done. So I put my, um, like, my delicates into, like, uh, the wash, as one does, And then I forgot that it was in there for like five hours. So I went back later and they were starting to smell a little funky. So I had to wash them again. And then this time I remembered, I put them in the dryer, but I forgot that they were in the dryer. So they finished in the dryer. And the thing about dryer settings for like delicates or niche genitals is that it's very, um, it doesn't you actually genitals? gentles jesus oh, oh, keep oh, oh, up oh. so it doesn't actually really dry your clothes very well so i again forgot that they're in there and they sat there for like two days before my roommate took them out and i went and felt them and they were still damp and now they smelled very gross so now i had to do them all over again so in other words i am uh, not great at the executive functioning needed to do your laundry and <laughs> That's only one of my uh, perks of being a roommate with me. So, also three third time is the charm, um, according to our dice, because we just got a three. So, potato post. Potato post. And a our story challenge that I have no ideas for. Uh, yes, a right. challenge word. Yeah, no, literally have no idea what we're gonna do for this. Uh, the challenge that we have to incorporate is homogenous. Okay. Adjective made up of similar parts. Except for a few members of the press, the audience at the trade show was a homogenous group of businessmen and entrepreneurs. Homogenous. Potato Post. By Elon's By. sister. Potato Post. By Elon's sister. And Ari's brother. When you're young, you dream of a great many things. And Joey just so happened to dream of the potato post because Joey loved potatoes. It was his favorite food. It was all he wanted to eat. 
he would eat mashed potatoes, french fries, sliced potatoes, rosemary roasted potatoes, baked potatoes. If it had potatoes, he was happy. But the problem was his mom didn't like potatoes very much, so she never made things with potatoes. She didn't even buy potatoes. It was like she had a war declared on spuds. And so Joey imagined the potato post, his saving grace, a mail order service that would bring potatoes right to him. He told he told his two school buddies, Timmy and Johnny, about the potato post idea, which he saw working thusly. Uh, you would you would write a letter to the potato post with the amount of potatoes you wanted and your intended use for the potatoes. And then they would send you the proper potatoes for the meal or dish you're trying to create. And then it would come in like a, a basically a cooler box and you'd get your potatoes. And then you'd send the money in the mail for your potatoes, uh, obviously prior to that, in order to buy your potatoes. And the potato post would deliver potatoes across the land. And Joey felt that it would be tough in the beginning because it would have to be him doing most of the potato post work. But he had a bicycle and he had a basket on the front of his bicycle, so he thought he could do it. He had a secret garden where he grew his own potatoes without his mother's knowledge. The, the one concern he had was his ability to actually cook them. For Joey was only in third grade, and he didn't know how to cook and use a stove. He'd watched his mom do it, but that didn't mean he knew how to prepare potatoes, especially since his mother never made them for him. Still, he was determined to make this work. The potato post was going to be his success, his dream, and it would fulfill all of his needs to eat potatoes. So, he began. The first day, he went in, ready and set up, with Timmy and Johnny as his advertisers and mouthpieces, and he spread it throughout the grade that should they want potatoes, they should fill out this little form and return it to him along with the proper amount of money, and he would deliver potatoes to everyone in the grade's house. When he got an overwhelming successful, like an overwhelmingly successful amount of uh, cards and surveys back, and even a good amount of money, he realized the second problem with this plan. He did not have that many potatoes in his garden. Not enough to fulfill the needs of the requested uh, orders. So he needed to come up with a new plan. His garden was also homogenous, so it only grew one type of potato. And even though his idea was that people would write the uses for the potato, and then he would select, or the post would select the appropriate potato raw for the dish that the uh, uh, customer wanted and then send the proper potatoes so they could cook them, he really only had russets. So he could only fulfill orders 
for russet potato dishes. And he quickly saw the folly in his plan as orders started to pour in. He began to panic, wondering how he could solve the, the, the potato shortage crisis of Capitol Creek, Michigan Elementary. He, 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 he always walked by this large stretch of grassland where the power lines ran for uh, the main power lines for the town ran. And he figured, well, I could grow potatoes out there. That's public land. Why shouldn't I be able to make a potato garden? So he walked over to town hall with his, Timmy couldn't make it, but Johnny was with him. And so Joey and Johnny went to town hall and, and asked to see the mayor to talk about the potential of setting up a potato garden on the grassy hill where the power lines ran. The mayor was confused as to why two third graders were speaking to him and taking up his uh, precious time. We need, we need a name for the mayor. <laughs> mayor Creek. Um, okay. Mayor Creek was confused as to why two third graders were uh, taking up his precious time and meeting with him about a potato garden, but... He saw no reason not to. In fact, this provided an opportunity, a great option for his re-election campaign. If this potato garden was a success, then some of those potatoes might be donated to the homeless of... What was the town? Capital Creek, but instead of calling you on uh, on a penalty, I'm going to audible you and suggest a different, because we can do that once. We can do each, each of us can do shoulda said's once. Uh... I think the conflict here should be, so here's my shoulda said. I think the conflict should be that the mayor doesn't think it's a bad idea, but... Um, the mayor is, wants to push for it to be a community garden, not a potato garden. And so it's not going to be exclusively potatoes, and that's the conflict. That's my, that's my suggestion. That's my should have said. Do I have, you to, have to take, take it? it? No, no, but that's, that's what I think should happen here. Okay, continue. The mayor was confused as to why two third graders were taking up his time and felt that this idea was both smart and a little stupid, um, as why would you only have a potato garden when you should have other kinds of plants growing as well? Ones that might service the public good, so they could be donated to help, you know, reduce the those going hungry and, and help those who were a bit, you know, lacking in finances that couldn't feed themselves as well. So he pitched this idea to the boys. He said, kids, I will let you grow your potatoes on this hill. However, there must be other plants that you're willing to grow. Other, other things like tomatoes or cucumbers or other vegetables. The boys 
didn't like that response, particularly Joey, because you see, Joey really only liked potatoes. And especially in regards to tomatoes, which his mother favored, he was very sick of them because it was all she made. So Joey tried to give a lot of pushback. But Johnny intervened and calmed his friend down and explained that this was an opportunity because now the potato post could still flourish while you could have spinoff posts. You could do the potato post and the tomato post and the cucumber post. There were other options now at play. It was a good business venture. Joey was both very impressed with uh, Johnny's business acumen, but also still very wedded to the singular potato post. But he figured it was worth a shot. So they agreed and shook the mayor's hand on this and began plotting out what the gardening layout would look like and the plans for how the post would run. They got some friends in on it to help, you know, crowdsourced from their grade Uh, They got their teacher to sign off on it as community service. And they all began setting up different garden plots. Of course, considering that this was for the potato post, potatoes had the biggest space and the most land available. But other other vegetables were given their spots as well. Uh, Johnny didn't seem to care all that much about the fact that they'd be sharing the space. But Joey... Joey was covertly trying to plant different types of potatoes interspersed with other types of plants, thinking that no one would notice if one potato plant happened to crop up in the tomato section or the zucchini section, or if if the, if the mint weed section where they were trying to cull all the mint had one or two potato plants sprouting, that wouldn't be a big problem. So he started to utilize other garden space for his goals. And over time, the potato post began to actually break even. He was making, they were making enough money, the three of them, that money was coming in and potatoes were going out. And, and, Joey was never in it for the money to in, in the first place. Um, Joey was really in, in it for the potatoes, of course. But seeing how money was coming in and potatoes were going out at no cost, Joey felt like he had found a life hack. Until, of course, the mayor walked over to him one uncharacteristically sunny spring day while he was tending to the garden with 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 Timmy and and the mayor came up and said boy i have a question for you are you profiting off of this uh community garden here is that what's happening here and joey and timmy their eyes wide froze slowly turned to face the mayor and said uh no, sir, we're not profiting. We're, we're 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 just we're breaking even. But it's a but it's a but it's a potatoes in, 
potatoes out machine. And the mayor looked at them and thought to himself, boy, I was this entrepreneur when I was a kid. I used to charge. I built, I remember when I built a ramp out of mud and sticks and I would charge all the kids on their bicycles a nickel to go off the ramp in my little cul-de-sac. I'll never forget those days. I like where these kids' heads at. They might be the, uh, the future. Maybe I'll let them off. And so the mayor said, Listen, boys, it's illegal to use community property for a profit. You can't use city mun municipal gardens for your business. But I like where your head's at. So why don't we find an actual spot in the town that you can purchase with a subsidy from the city, and we'll turn that into your potato farm. How's that sound? Joey loved the sound of that because that meant that he wouldn't have to worry about planting the illicit potato in other lands. <laughs> the illicit potato is the name of my band. <laughs> now he could have his exclusive potato farm only for potatoes, and the potato post could flourish with their various types of potato without worry about cucumbers or tomatoes or cold mint. This was it. This was the deal. Joey readily agreed. Johnny didn't love Timmy. the idea. Timmy was the one with him. Yeah, well, they brought it to Johnny. All three of them okay. are in this together. Right, 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 right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Johnny didn't love this idea. He felt that having the wider business options was the better call and that planting only a potato farm and using it only for the potato post was a business mistake. He tried to point this out to Joey, but Joey was never in it for the money. So, of course, the arguments fell on deaf ears. Okay. Um, they, they continued to fight about this for quite some time, and it ultimately drove a wedge into their friendship. Third grade came to a close, and midway through fourth grade, the the potato farm was was really starting to to take legs, and 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 get off its feet, uh, or you might say take root. Um, the 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 business now actually employed three drivers who would drive vans, their own vans, but they would drive vans full of basically crates of potatoes around the neighborhood and deliver potatoes. They, they successfully kept business going, and, and while they were still not turning much of a profit, they were breaking even on potatoes, and they had the space and resource to make a lot of potatoes. The toughest part about all of this was that Joey's mom still hated potatoes and would not cook them. Refused. Absolutely refused. So despite having access to a myriad potato selection, Joey was forced to only be able to really get good potato dishes when he would go over to friends' houses and beg the parents to cook the potatoes that 
he and his friends would have would have farmed. So Joey's biggest goal for the Potato Post's next hire was a chef. And this is where Timmy started to disagree as well. Timmy felt that the whole beauty of the Potato Post was in the the farm-to-table quality. That it was still homemade, that you were just getting really fresh potatoes, and that it had nothing to do with having them pre-cooked or pre-done. The, the beauty of it was that you got to cook the dish yourself with these very fresh, well-farmed potatoes. So... Joey tried to explain the situation of that this whole dream coming about because he just longed for potatoes that his mom refused to make and that his only way to eat potatoes in all of the ways he dreamed of them was at other people's houses if their moms were so gracious to cook them. For he was only in fourth grade and still wasn't allowed to use the stove on his own and even if he was... His mom wouldn't let him cook potatoes because she hated them. She hated the smell. So he tried to explain that this was less about the business and more about the personal need for potatoes. But Timmy refused to see it. It was getting bad. There was just disputes everywhere. Johnny already wasn't talking to them. He was now in charge of the local garden delivery service. Um, Having broken away from the potato post entirely upon their move to exclusively potato farmland. And Joey was beginning to see that his friends didn't seem to care about the personal drive in the potato post. They were there for the output. And it made him sad. It made him feel like his friends didn't want to be friends with him, didn't didn't care or understand his personal need for potatoes. And he was wondering if they were really his friends at all. Timmy's parents co-owned a a fairly successful construction firm and had a little bit of money. And they saw their entrepreneurial, the the entrepreneurial go-getter attitude of their son and decided that for his 13th birthday, uh, for his bar mitzvah, they would gift Timmy the money necessary to start a farm-to-table business. And they would purchase the lot next to the potato farm for Timmy's business. It was properly zoned, and it was smaller, but it would also afford Timmy total control over the crops grown. Um, Joey hated this idea. Uh, he did not want to lose Timmy's friendship and, frankly, labor uh, to another 
business that then would be in in competition. Uh, the 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 fact of the matter is Timmy being uh, interested in farm to table would also grow potatoes. He wouldn't specialize in potatoes, but he would also grow potatoes and and focus on farm farm to table fresh ingredient business, which concerned Joey. He might even join up with Johnny and both of them would support the farm to table eating and build a fresh veggie empire that would definitely <laughs> run fresh, potato posts. The fresh veggie empire is definitely the name of my band. <laughs> Which would definitely run the potato post out of business. Joey went home crying. He was so upset. He was losing his friends. Capitalism was ruining everything. And he was going to lose his one connection to the potatoes. And his mom came in and saw him crying and said, Joey, what's wrong? And he explained to her the situation about how much he just wanted potatoes and how he wanted to eat potatoes and how much he loved potatoes and that he had started this whole business on the dream of being able to eat potatoes without his mom blocking the way, essentially. And that now it was costing him his friends. And you his might call it spud stopping. <laughs> spud blocking? <laughs> spud blocking? Spud stopping? <laughs> and his mom <laughs> began to feel guilty at what she had pushed her son into. He was only in fourth grade. Only, but he was already smoking cigars and ten, drinking five times. Only a day. ten years old, and he was already. No, 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 no. We, 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 we established they're now 13? thirteen, and and you're like, not yeah thirteen in fourth grade. No, no, I I moved them. Oh, you moved them forward. Forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thir- the thirteen was saying like when Timmy took like they were doing this for years. Gotcha, when Timmy gotcha, turned gotcha. thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So So they were what, seventh grade? He was only eighth grade, middle he school. He was only seventh grade or eighth grade. Eighth grade. Yeah. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. He was only thirteen. Only in eighth grade. And he had already <laughs> broken child labor laws on himself. <laughs> so severely. <laughs> I'm sorry. She... We apologize to the to the fictional town of Capitol Creek, Michigan, for implying that you do not have strict or 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 sufficient child labor laws. We we know you do. Thank you, Mayor Creek. I'm sorry. She apologized. I never meant to do this to you, Joey. I'll make you potatoes. Don't put the stress on yourself. I will make potatoes for you. I will learn how to cook them. I will make at least. Three potato dishes a week. I can't do every day, every meal. I can't, but I will make you potatoes three times a week. Joey felt this was a fair compromise. And that maybe it was time to get out of the potato post business. He wanted to to go back. He wanted to go back to being 13. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to having friends, to playing, to imagining 
and having that creativity spur joy instead of stress. So he agreed to his mom's terms of three times a week having potatoes. And with it, he announced the closing of the potato post. Which his father, who hadn't been in this story the entire time, decided to buy off of him and started to run uh, more like a factory and made a um, potato merch as well as potato part of the potato post. And you would buy T-shirts, you would buy gimmicks and, 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 uh, and all sorts of potato-type merch. Um, and from, from then on, uh, his dad sort of took the, the idea and ran with it. And Joey went back to being the kid he wanted to be. And though it took, um, until about sophomore year of high school, he did eventually make, rekindle the friendships between Timmy and Johnny, who, if anyone's wondering also got split up due to capitalism in their attempt to co-run a business. Uh, but the three the three got back together, and by, by senior year of high school, they were all close friends again. The end. Well... That was okay. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a terrible story. <laughs> we, we, we definitely shat on capitalism, which I'm so, so about. <laughs> I'm so about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I, uh, but, I don't uh, know when you realized the child labor law thing, but that hit me like a third of the way into the story, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is so immediately exploitative!" When, Im- immediately when I said the words, they started m- breaking even. I was like, "Oh, they're this is wait a minute." <laughs> <laughs> it's like kids shouldn't be worried about oh, this shit. Hold on, I don't know if this is allowed. <laughs> I should check the rule book. <laughs> Glad it came around. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we fixed it, kind of. And I kept, that's why I started really pushing the fucking time for it. I'm like, move it! Move it! Get him legal! Get him legal! Get him 15 or over so they better. can... Get him 15 or over so they can work. <laughs> Send him to the mines. Send him to the mine. No. Send him to the fields. That's what this Literally. is. Literally send it to the fields, but it's like indoor field farm. Anyway, um, shout out to First Light Project over in in, in in Pennsylvania, run by Elon, Ari's brother and Elon's sister's aunt. Um, it is a it is a, 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 a vertical farming farming type. Uh, An urban uh, vertical farming nonprofit. Yeah. Nonprofit. Yeah. So yay farms. Yay farms. Uh, we need more. We of dedicate. Them. We dedicate the capitali- anti-capitalism farm story to our aunt. The potato post. <laughs> the potato, <laughs> potato Dedicated post. Dedicated to Elon's sister. Elon's sister and Ari's brother's aunt. aunt. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to get all the all the like family in here by n- having to name them. And when, when we get to like It's going to be brutal. Like, <laughs> when we get to people like Jamie and shit, it'll be like Elon's brother and uh, Elon's Elon's sister and Ari's Ari's brother's cousin's cousin's cousin. No, no, that one is father's 
cousin's cousin or something like that. Father's cousin's child, I think is what that is. Uh, who knows? We, <laughs> we call her a cousin. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's just about the same as all of our other cousins. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. So, uh, we got... But, yeah, saying it out, it will sound like space balls. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Elon, sister, sister and our brother's father's brother's, brothers, brothers, nephews, uncles, sons, sons, cousins, former, former roommate. roommate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, uh, okay. We don't have was, to go uh, to the penalty box for that. It was decent. We no. used the word. Yeah. We used the word. We used it correctly. Uh, we didn't delay anything too long or, or fuck up names or anything. Yeah. We, we did fuck up names, but we decided not to call on it because the rest of it was actually pretty good. When so, did we fuck up names? That? We got Timmy, Johnny, and uh, Joey. You. Okay, never mind. Maybe I, I'm wrong. Um. Okay. Rolling the die, the next, the second this time. Where where did I write down the order? Did I put that in? Oh, I know where I put that. I was about to say, I don't know where you put that, so good luck. <laughs> so anyway, my uh, complete lack of domesticity skills. Um, so <laughs> so then I... Uh, oh, there, there. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> That was fucking crazy. Okay. Oh, God. <sighs> All right. We got four. So a dog helping a dame. <laughs> so. Uh, you have to this start. Is this, and this is a period noir. All it's right. It's a period noir. Okay. A dog helping a dame by Elon's sister. And Ari's brother. Well, we start our story in the middle of the city, New York City to be specific. 1933, December. It was a rainy night, cold as well. Steam was coming off the, the cobble, and you could, he you could, you could hear the, the nightlife just rising into the sky. And you could see all the wonderful, colorful, vibrant, dressed people walking around. But if you... If you went down Broadway far enough and you turned left, you'd eventually get to a street called Kittering. And on Kittering Street, third floor of a brown house, there was a man who rented a small office. And his name was Dixon Spade. And he, he ran a private investor, private eye. And you'd go to Dixon's... You'd go to Dixon's uh, office, and you'd rattle off a case. And on this particular night, a dame clad in pink with, uh, with, uh, uh, what do you call those fluffy hats? You know those fluffy-ass fucking hats from the, like, 30s? To, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about, the, like, hats? They're, like, kind of, like, weirdly <laughs> square. Do you know what I'm, are, you know what I'm talking about? Help me, dude. Help me. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. I also don't know what it's called. Okay. She was wearing one of those hats. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, fuck, wait. Was, we didn't pick a word. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no. Should we just go to the penalty box now, or do you want to start over? <laughs> yeah, let's just go to the... <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> I was actually like, I'm on a roll here. I have like an idea, and then I was like, Do you want the, the 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 hat? Fuck! 
like my train literally derailed on that, and I was like, "What is it called?" Ari, you know, you would know this. And then when you when you didn't respond, I was like, "Ari, help! Come on, my train!" And I watched as it crashed, and I was like, "No!" Oh man. And then you sitting on the platform at the next stop, and I was like, "Ari, help!" You're like, "I don't, I don't know what to do. I it's can't a train. Help you. I can't help you. I can't help you. I don't have the answer." <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then we have to do a different story. Um, or the same, depending. Oh, you mean pick up? Well, we have to roll again. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. So we may get the same story. We may get potato post again. <laughs> I hope we don't get potato post again. Yeah, um, me too. Let me see. Um... All right, so now we go to the penalty box, which is a place that we go when we fuck up, like, as we just did, and uh, we have to just read some uh, very strange fan fiction from some very weird sources, and um, we just have to be okay with that. (laughs) We can't, you know, laugh or, you know, break particularly and our goal here is to just get through it um it's a lot like uh you know taking a painful shit um (laughs) you just sort of gotta you know soldier soldier down and do it (laughs) it's a lot like a painful shit Oh shit! You might have killed so, me. So, um, uh, we are we are working through a uh, Midgal gets pegged by Katrina Hood. Oh, are we still on Midgal? We've never finished it, so. Oh no. Uh, do you remember where we were? Um. Uh. I feel like um, his penguin dick had come out. But I I agree. I feel like that happened. Oh my god, I forgot how fucked this is. Okay, um Alright, let's see here. Jesus. And and I forgot that we looked up the character, which was a big oh, mistake. I wish uh, you hadn't said that, because now I remembered that we looked up the character. <laughs> yeah, we were curious who was doing what to who, and that's a thing I can't unsee. Um, all right, I think. Okay, I'm just going to pick up here even if it's wrong because it's too good not to. Okay. I assume you want to keep this on. She touched Midgill's aviator hat. You can remove it if it's in the way. No, you look much better this way. Conrad pulled her hand away from the hat. She grabbed Midgill's chest as she preened his feathers. Yeah, we were right about here. She took his moans as cues to tug on the feathers a little harder. When Miguel's moans became quieter, Conrad moved her feather preening lower and lower until she stopped just above Miguel's pants. Oh, his pants are still on. Wait. I guess. Okay. Uh, permission, permission to remove the final obstacle, Commander? She tugged at the pants. Granted, Miguel gasped out. Conrad pulled his pants off and added it to their discarded clothes pile. She traced her fingers in a circular motion across his groin. Come on, come on out, she said as the 
This is where we were. <laughs> yes, it is. The triangular flap of skin unfolded downwards. The knowledge of oh. penguin anatomy is kind oh. of com- commendable, I think. Uh, yeah, no, this is really... Someone did really, their research. Uh, really in-depth. I mean, this is by far one of the most cogent and co- coherent uh, fanfics we've, we've read in the penalty so far. So, congratulate. Who's the uh, author? Katrina Hood. Congratulations, Katrina Hood. You great, great writing. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I really shouldn't have said that. Uh, as the triangular flap of skin unfolded downwards, she traced her finger around the open hole. Taking care not to slide into it, she didn't want to repeat the less than ideal events that occurred the last time she stuck her finger into that hole. Mm. <clears throat> she stopped her finger tracing when Midgill's cock emerged from the hole, still very pink, still pointier than a human one. There you are, Congrat- Con- Conrad grabbed the shaft and moved her hand up and down it. Midgill gripped the bed sheets as she quickened her pace ever so slowly. What? Right about now, actually, Conrad answered, since you are so impatient. She dragged her tongue up. <laughs> the, the, the the roll the like exhausted sigh you just gave. I, the, the 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 amount of, of 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 mental energy this takes is unprecedented. <laughs> she dragged her tongue up the shaft and around the head. She moved her tongue down the shaft and repeated her previous actions until she made his cock wet all around. She opened her mouth. With wisdom, <laughs> the teaching of kindness was on her tongue. I'm sorry, I, 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 I don't, the blasphemy. I'm, I'm, I'm t- first of all, yes, horrible that I did that. Second of all, I, I. Is it I my turn? Do I have to? I mean, you have to pick up. Yeah, <laughs> we're both in the penalty box. We, we fucked are, up that story. Yeah, we did. All right. She opened her mouth and took as much of him as she could into her. She moved her head up and down. Moving her tongue across the be- uh, across to the best of her ability. A damn shame she couldn't d- deep throat him. Not for lack of trying, anyway. When Big Girl thrusted his, li- uh, his hips forward ever so slightly, she took his cock out of her mouth. Why- why'd you stop? You're not coming yet. Conrad got up from the bed. She pulled down her pants and tossed them into the discarded clothes pile. Not until this is used. She put on a harness with a purple dildo attached to it. The dildo uh, bore the a namesake. superficial <laughs> resemblance to a penguin phallus. Midgill li- lied chest down on the bed and moved to the edge of the bed. He reached for the strap on. So suckable. He said as he stroked it, nothing stopping you, but you wouldn't feel I know. It's not really for me, it's for you. Miguel touched the tip of his tongue to the, at the bottom. He dragged his tongue up the shaft until he got to the head. He circled his tongue around the head until he took as much of it as he could into his beak. As he moved is this his doing anything for you, listeners? Is head this, is up this, and down is this the doing shaft. Anything? It's not for me, but... I know it's not for us. The only thing it's doing for us is feeling like a painful shit. <laughs> it really is like a painful shit. It's so unbearable. <laughs> Conrad took to replicating his moans 
from when she was sucking him off to the best of her ability. Physically, this did nothing for her, but mentally, she couldn't stop getting hot and bothered over the image of Miguel pleasuring her in this manner. Miguel took the dildo out of his beak. <laughs> He's got a beak. I forgot this is all in his beak. I know! I forgot about the beak as well! How much longer until I get it? He asked. Just one thing left, Miguel. Conrad asked. She reached for the bottle of lube near her and placed it on the bed. But first, lie back for me, chest facing up. Miguel obliged her request. Conrad squeezed some lube onto her right index and middle finger. She slid the index and middle finger into Miguel's ass and moved it in and out. Miguel gripped the bed sheets as she quickened her pace ever so slightly. You sound like you're ready for more, but I need better verbal confirmation. Conrad I, said... I have- I appreciate her. Um, the consent is important. He's very, yes. I, I, thank I, you. I, I am ready for more. Miguel could barely <laughs> suppress his moans. Conrad took her finger, her index finger out of him and slid both her index and middle fingers back in. As the pl- as the pace of her probing, oh, it's probing, uh, went slightly faster, Miguel's <laughs> moans grew louder. Uh, all I can say, all I can say about this is... Um, this story is the first one we've read where I'm remembering, like truly remembering why this is a penalty for us. And, 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 and I am exceedingly motivated not to forget shit again because I don't want to come back to having to read this. <laughs> this is, this is mortifying. Are we calling it there? <laughs> I mean, you giggled a little bit before that. Uh, so, before so probably, you even got yeah. to the thing. So I, I feel like this is a good. Yeah. Uh, my God. <laughs> that was tough. That was really tough. I have to find us some new ones. Too. I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think I think this one's tough because this is the first one where it's not like hastily, poorly written with a lot of like silly. Where funny we can mistakes. like get taken out of it by the bad where spelling. Where we can take ourselves out of it and laugh. <laughs> this is so well done as a dialogue and I hate to say that but like <laughs> I have to admit that I'm reading very well written clear text so I don't <laughs> I don't know what else to say um, but it's also it's also hammering home why this is something we something never want to do <laughs> yeah I really don't want to come back here <laughs> oh All right, let's try again and not let's do it again and try not to suck. Do you know do you know where it really fucked me? It was Miguel took the dildo out of his beak. beak. <laughs> it's like the God reminder that it's it. a beak. It's a beak. <laughs> and no, anything that's like explicitly like, oh right, she's fucking a penguin. She's <laughs> fucking a penguin. It's like, oh no. She's fucking an aviator uh, uh like 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 aviator transformer penguin because like they come together in this Gundam ship thing. Each of them have their own like compartment, so it's like I'm so one mad we looked crew. it up. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> this is literally on a podcast. She's getting exactly her wish. We looked up the thing. Three, two, one, penguin. Yeah. <laughs> because of this fandom. <laughs> I'm so mad. But hey, that okay. is the power of a good fan fiction, I guess. Arguably, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) arguably is the word to say. Um, Okay. (laughs) I rolled a two. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) 
Okay. Freedom, Justice, and Revolution, the collected works of Edwina Stimples Branson. Uh, all right. Challenge word. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we do not want to repeat a class. Um, we cannot muster a repeat of last time. Bolster. To support. Holly bolstered the morale of the troops by doing a number she had sung on Broadway years ago. I Bolster. mean, that's an okay word for the title that we picked. Yeah, but I don't know what the fuck we're going to do with this title. <laughs> I have an idea. All right, well, you're kicking off. <laughs> okay. Freedom, Justice, and Revolution, The Collected Works of Edwina Stimples Branson by Elon's sister. And Ari's brother. And Edwina Stimples Branson. Yeah. Te- technically. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again, okay? okay. Hang on. Okay. Freedom, Justice, and Revolution, the Collected Works of Edwina Stimples Branson by Edwina Stimples Branson. As told by Elon's sister and Ari's brother. Work one. The lost. The the revolution of the lost village. 1733, Edwina Stimples Branson lived in Caparel Village, a small village in northwest Tennessee. It was a ver- very much the definition of a frontier town at the time. It was small, primarily relied on hunting and lumber as its main business. And it was a town where the town center, the barber, the post, and the, the town jail were all in the same building. Edwina was only 13 at the time, but a staunch believer, a staunch believer that the tensions building between the colonies and England were not only necessary, but moving too slowly. She wanted to see a revolution, and she wanted to see it promptly. She wanted... She wanted the colonies to take up the moniker of the continental states. And she wanted them to be the... She wanted them to be independent and show that, not unlike her her town, the land, the, the continent itself is a frontier. And that they, the colonists, were the ones taking it up with their hands and working the soil, not England. She felt that in order to really push the revolution forward, 
There needed to be more incitement, more reason. Uh, the the England wasn't moving fast enough. They in the in the coastal towns they were definitely working a lot harder against the colonists, but here in Tennessee it was a lot slower. So she decided it was time to provoke them. And through very careful planning and listening in from what the the men were taught on uh on how to make gunpowder and explosives and also what she knew worked from her own experiments she decided that she was going to blow up the main courthouse which ran in the name of the king garrison call it garrison Why is she blowing up the courthouse and not the garrison? The courthouse would be of the town. Well, there. What is the garrison? Garrison would be like stationed British troops. She was going to blow up the garrison. There we go. <laughs> Edwina, unlike many women, had learned how to read and write. Her brother had taught her out of um, out of her constant pestering for him to do so. And so Edwina had been reading up on ways to create weapons and explosives and Look around you. Can you stretch some sort of rudimentary lathe? And and figured out ways to create explosives using alcohol. Um, ale and uh, fire tended to not mix too well. So she poured... She, she broke in... Okay, well, what fucking alcohol are they going to have access to? Okay, I mean, like, whiskey and gin. Okay, gin, would be. gin, gin, gin. So, Edwina... Especially gin cut with turpentine, which was a big thing, thing back, back then. then. That would fucking go right up, you know? So, Edwina broke into the bar, the tavern, in the dead of night, and stole... Five gin barrels and brought them to the garrison. And uh, after prying one open and pouring it all around the garrison, put the other two in conveniently placed locations around it and uh, set them alight. And then ran. The garrison went up in flames. And very soon the whole town was awake and screaming, and it was mass chaos. And of course, the English were uh, 
very upset when they heard about this uh, act of war in a colony that had so far not been nearly as problematic. Territory. Tennessee wasn't a colony yet. Territory. In a territory that had not given nearly as much pushback as the coastal colonies. Only three British soldiers were were actually killed in the fire that night. But any British soldier being killed by a small village like this was uh, one too many. And the punishment for, for such an act was generally severe. Though they didn't know it was Edwina, she rallied a lot of the townsfolk together in protest to to form a riot, uh, which were called parades back then, form a parade uh, to head toward the smoldering remains of the garrison house and confront the soldiers. And um, muskets were discharged at this event. It's it's a little known historical fact, but it but it is uh, referred to in in later works, though not here by Edwina. It is referred to in later works as um, the battle, the the the. The revolutionary riot, um, and and she was while she didn't participate directly in the riot activities, she was the instigator of the riot. Um, Edwina had a unique feature; um, she was smaller than most, and her vocal cords had a unique birth defect, causing them to be much higher and more shrill than most other people. So when she took a deep breath and, and really let her voice out, it was impossible not to hear her. In addition, Edwina was supplied uh, at birth with a very, very, very fiery temper. So it was very easy to set her off and get her going. And it was easy for her to rally people. And she was an easy voice to rally behind. So she had many of the townsfolk performing this riot. And... Um, only one British soldier was injured. Three townsfolk were, were ultimately killed by the musket fire. But this is, to some people, though it's a small and lesser known story, to some people they call this riot the first shot of the Revolutionary War. Though the Revolutionary War wouldn't happen for decades. Work two, justice. Upon looking around and uh, investigating the uh, fire, they figured out that the uh, starter that was used was... Um, Work 2 is just called Justice? Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Work 1 was Revolution, revolution. of... Yeah. Of this one particular... Yeah, yeah okay, but well, this anyway. is Justice... Of the revolution. Okay. Anyway, so uh, I, I saw I saw freedom, justice, and revolution as the like headers of the of the like different things, and then there's collected works of things within each of those. So there's like multiple revolutions, multiple freedoms, multiple justices. Ah. Uh, anyway, 
I didn't. Because it's the collected. It's the collected works. Why would there only be three works? That's not very collected. It's so collected. That's a trilogy. <laughs> it's a trilogy. I continue. Um, we will now be reading an excerpt from. Thank you, Justice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Um, upon examining, uh, upon investigation of the fire, it was discovered that gin was used as the primary catalyst and accelerant uh, for the fire, and the tavern keep was brought to court to trial to be hanged as uh, being tried for treason against the king. Okay, yeah, yeah, that tracks. Edwina would not stand for that, partially because it was her own fault and had nothing to do with the tavern keeper, but also because... Might might be tarred and feathered. Might be tarred and feathered. Might be tarred and feathered. Also because... Fine. Um, Also because... um, it just simply was unfair. There was no direct evidence. The evidence that was laid out was circumstantial. Edwina went to the court insisting that she argue on behalf of the tavern owner. The court... Act as his defense? Yes. Okay. The court, confused by the request, having never received one, especially not from the likes of a female... At first attempted to deny her, she then rallied everyone once again outside of the court, protesting the trial so loudly that they could not move forward until they allowed her in to argue on behalf of the tavern keeper. This served to bolster the tavern keeper's spirits as well as everyone else in the town, feeling like there was... Uh, that they had some autonomy and right to voice their own, uh, and right to voice their own um, def- defense and uh, opinions on matters. Edwina stood in front of the court and began making argument after argument for how there was no proof that the tavern keeper himself was the one to lay out the gin barrels, to which they tried to counter that there was no proof against it, and as the gin came from his tavern, even if he had not been the one to lay out the barrels, he had to have been in on it. But she disagreed, citing previous examples of how the British themselves broke into taverns in the middle of the night and took alcohol, arguing that just because the tavern keeper had the alcohol did not mean that he was the one to lay it out and that very easily someone, Edwina, though she never came clean, could have broken in and stolen the barrels. The court had no rebuttal formally to this and attempted to overrule her argument anyway. And as such, the tavern keeper was sentenced to tar and feathering. This spiked even more rage and indignation among the townsfolk. And once again, another revolution took place as they rallied at the site of the uh, punishment to defend and yell and uh, rally against their uh, the ruling. 
old man Smith didn't think that it was a good idea to keep Edwina around. Uh, he thought it would be better to get her out of the Tennessee Territory entirely. Uh, since she was such a well-known firebrand and she was such a small 13-year-old girl, it would be wise to get her away from most of the centralized danger. So he did what any good, caring old man would do and knocked her unconscious and put her on the back of a wagon and sent it out of town. And the wagon traveled for three days and she was fed with scraps of deer meat powder, uh, deer flour cakes, deer flour and deer meat cakes, there we go, and, and um, wine as they traveled down the, the road until she reached... Georgia? Uh, no. Oh, yeah, well, kind of, to the south. Uh, But she's northwest Tennessee, so she'd be going to Virginia or North Carolina. Let's put her in Virginia. Okay. Unpause. Okay, Uh, her... uh, The wagon... She traveled for three days until her wagon crossed uh, over the Tennessee Territory and headed into Virginia, um, which at the time was a fairly staunch anti-establishment and anti-empire um, colony. And they, they were the the carriage was able to get her to the the Alexandria Abbot. Um, where she was raised at a church for the next five years. But back in the the little village in Tennessee, the riots had gotten bad enough and the people were angry enough that eventually the English moved out and they pulled back. And they left that village devastated but alone. It's no longer called its old village name anymore. Uh, the, the, the territory in question now encompasses Rinbolt, Tennessee, but the, the village is now part of the town of Rinbolt, Tennessee, but the, the town kept going and thrived. They were a, a hunting town for a long time. Um, and then when the industrialization of America happened, they became a uh, coal town. No one forgot Edwina Stimples Branson, the firebrand that started it all, that helped free their town and championed justice. And the revolution. The 13 year old girl who could read and argue became a statue for them. They erected in front of the uh, library in the hopes that she would encourage, her, her, her visage would encourage uh, reading and promote education among the youth so that 
those other little 13-year-old girls would look at her and say, I, too, could argue in a court. So much so that I could help defend a man's safety from being tar and feathered. To be continued. Why does it have to be continued? I hated that. <laughs> because it's the collected works. I was so but, bad. <laughs> but the nice thing is about the collected works is that now we've established Adrena Stimples Branston's collected works starts in 1734. That doesn't mean we always have to stay there. We can go all the way into the 1900s. She doesn't have to be real. She isn't. She is, but she isn't, but she is. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Freedom, Justice, and Revolution, the Collected Works of Edwina Stimples Branson by Elon's sister. By Edwina Stimples Branson, as told by Elon's as sister. As told by Elon's and Ari's brother. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, that, that wasn't the worst episode, though. It wasn't, but was it good? <laughs> now listen, now listen. Let me ask you a real question. Are any, are of, any these of them good? <laughs> are any of them? Uh, you know what? You make a point, and I acknowledge I make, it. <laughs> I make a point. Um, all right. Well, uh, let me get over to the script. <laughs> Thanks for vamping earlier when we needed it. I was uh, really <laughs> my my uh, <laughs> my slights against my own domesticity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, do we remember how this goes? Do we need to review? I think we should go for it and uh, fuck up and see, see what how it happens, goes. All right. Yeah. Those, were, Those sto- were stories. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. You start. You start. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Ready? Cue me. Those were stories. These are titles. And this is a podcast. Dry your tears, everyone. We'll be back next time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that one was fine. <laughs> it's a it's an episode. It was it possible, yeah. We had two stories that weren't garbage. We had we had two stories that weren't garbage and one story that was an utter fucking disaster from the get go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kind of mad we didn't get to see it through, but it it'll circle back. It'll work its way back.